On behalf of we here and we obey ladies only halaqa, once again we welcome you to the ninth hadith of 40 hadith of Imam Nawawi series. Today's hadith is narrated on the authority of Abu Khurairah and his sisters. Abu Khurairah said, I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam say, What I have forbidden for you, avoid. What I have ordered you to do, do as much of it as you can. For verily, it was only the excessive questioning and their disagreeing with their prophets that destroyed the nations who were before you. This hadith is recorded in both Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih al-Muslim sisters. First of all, as Muslims, we should know and understand clearly that the Prophet ﷺ has the authority to forbid and command things in the deen of Al-Islam. Why did I say that, sisters? It's because he ﷺ is the one to whom Allah ﷻ revealed his final revelation. This important message that is to obey the Prophet ﷺ is revealed in the glorious Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the glorious Quran in Surah Hashr verse number 7 وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَحُوهُ And whatever the messenger has given you, take. And what he has forbidden you, refrain from it. The first statement of today's hadith is sisters that Rasulullah said what I have forbidden for you, avoid. First of all, we have to understand that when he وسلم, forbids something, generally speaking, it implies that it is totally prohibited. Doing that act is a sin. But if there is another narration from the authentic sources, which can bring that act to a lower level, which scholars named as makruh, or the acts that are discouraged or disliked, then it's not a sin, but we must try our best to avoid it. I'll give you an example, sisters. Rasulullah did not like people spending time in talking after Isha. This hadith is recorded in Sahih al-Bukhari and it said Rasulullah disliked to sleep before Isha prayer and to talk after it. So the scholars of Islam say it is makruh or disliked to chit-chat with people after Isha prayer unless that is for a reason or speaking about some good topics or to do some beneficial work or any kind of ibadah. It's not haram and sinful to keep awake after Isha prayer if there is a necessary. So let's come back to today's hadith sisters. The most apparent meaning of this particular hadith is in reference to what is strictly forbidden and not simply disliked. This includes adultery, fornication, drinking alcohol, taking interest, stealing, murder and so forth. These acts are strictly prohibited 
and based on this hadith one must do one's best to avoid them under all circumstances let's move on to the second statement of our rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said in the same hadith what i have ordered you to do do as much of it as you can again order of rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam in general is a command we should do it unless there is an evidence to make it a lesser level which is named as recommended act by the scholars of islam hence the order of rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam has two levels too as we discussed in prohibitions the first category the obligatory acts or the acts that we should do this includes prayer zakah fasting fulfilling the oath etc a person must do his best to fulfill these acts sisters if a person fails to fulfill such an act in general he has committed a sin the second category is the recommended acts it includes sunnah prayers spending for good cause and so forth if a person does these acts allah subhanahu wa taala will be pleased with him and will reward him if a person fails to perform these acts on occasion there is no sin imputed to him let's go back to the statement again rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said what i have ordered you to do do as much of it as you can what does it mean it means that we muslims when we are ordered to do something we must try our best to fulfill whatever within our capacity whatever within our ability as we have discussed this topic in many of our podcasts islam is not a religion sisters islam is a deen it's a way of life allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never expects us to be perfect human beings allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never expects us to be behave like angels allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created human being with shortcomings or weaknesses further we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us with good and bad and he sees whether we respond to them well within our capacity within our capability Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself says in the glorious Quran in chapter number 64 verse number 16 fattaqullaha ma istata'tum so fear Allah as much as you are able so we have to try our best to do with regard to sincerity towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Suppose one is in a situation where he can fulfill part of what is ordered and he is not able to fulfill all of it what should he be doing sisters the general principle is that he must fulfill all that he is able to fulfill and he is excused from that which he is not capable of as just stated this conclusion is directly derived from this hadith as one must do whatever he is able to do An example commonly given is the case where a person is not able to pray while standing. In this case, he still prays. How he does that, sisters? He prays while sitting. This example is directly based on another hadith of Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam where he sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Pray standing. If you are not able to, then pray sitting. And if you are not able to do so, then pray while on your side." This principle applies to all the obligatory acts sisters. It's same with fasting. We know there are concessions in the deen of al-Islam. It is a practical way of life. We know that those who are ill 
traveling and elderly are allowed to pay fidya. Even if you can't make wudu with water or if there is no water available for you to make wudu or ritual bath, you are allowed to make dry ablution which is called tayammum. We can keep on mentioning the option sisters, concessions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us so that we can do whatever within our capability, whatever within our capacity. The main point we have to understand clearly is that for the commands we have to do them, whatever within our capacity, we have concessions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Baqarah, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وصعها Allah does not charge a soul except with that within its capacity. On the other hand, sisters, with regard to prohibitions, we have no gray area. It's a complete no-go area. No one can give an excuse and do the prohibited acts. Na'udhu Billah. In short, a Muslim must perform the acts that are obligatory. At the same time, we have to stay away completely from the forbidden acts. You must be knowing some of us are more keen on using miswak, while we don't want to avoid backbiting. Some of us are too keen on talking about the state of Muslims around the world, but we can't stop drinking with our left hands or lying or don't want to practice the proper hijab. Using miswak or thinking about the ummah are excellent jobs, but if we can't change ourselves, which is within our ability, within our capacity, how can we expect us to go and change the broader circle, the outer circle? It's not practical, sisters. Then Rasulullah made an important statement. For verily, it was only the excessive questioning and their disagreement with their prophets that destroyed the nations who were before you. Now you must be thinking that Islam discourages questioning. It's not true, sisters. Even in the hadith of Jibreel, we discussed that Jibreel السلام, came to Rasulullah with important questions. Questions that are beneficial. We have to understand as Muslims, there are questions that are compulsory, that is farud. Those are the questions that one needs to ask in order to understand and practice the religion of Al-Islam perfectly. How to fast, how to pray, how to pay zakah, so on. Even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us to ask questions if we don't know anything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah number 16, So ask the people of the message if you do not know. But if you read the hadith properly, sisters, the questions that are mentioned by Rasulullah here include questions that don't add any value to the topic. Questions for which answers are not needed. For example, people used to ask hypothetical questions. People normally ask questions just for fun or to ridicule the religion of Islam. Even they ask questions to mock Rasulullah. These kinds of questions are not allowed in Islam, sisters. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah number 5, verse number 101, O you who have believed, do not ask about things which if they are shown to you, it will distress you. But if you ask about them while the Quran is being revealed, they will be shown to you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has pardoned that which is past. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving 
and forbearing. It said that the circumstance or the background that made Rasulullah wasallam to make this statement was that once Rasulullah wasallam was addressing the Sahabas, he wasallam said, O oh people, Allah has made the Hajj obligatory upon you. A man among the Sahaba said, Every year, O Rasulullah, meaning he asked Rasulullah wasallam, do we need to do Hajj every single year? The Prophet remained quiet. The man repeated the question three times. Finally, Rasulullah said, If I were to say yes, it would become obligatory upon you and you would not be able to do it. Then he said, Leave me with what I have left you with. Verily, the people before you were destroyed because of their excessive questioning and their opposition to their prophets. If I order you to do something, do what you can. If I prohibit you something, leave it. We know the story of Bani Israel sisters. Their excessive questioning to Musa salam put them in great trouble sisters. You can refer this story in Surah Al-Baqarah verses from 67 to 73. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Musa salam to tell the people to slaughter a cow, these people kept on asking questions. First they asked, clear descriptions. Then they ask the color of the cow. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them an answer, they keep on adding questions. They keep on asking questions to the point it was difficult for them to find the cow. Let me give you another example, sisters. Most of the time when we talk about Ashab al-Kahf, the people of the cave, people try to question about it. How many people were there? What was the color of the dog? How long they were sleeping there in the cave? etc. which doesn't add any value to the lessons we should be learning from the story sisters. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given examples so that we can learn or derive lessons for ourselves. But these questions do not add any value to the lessons we should be deriving from the stories. Rather these questions are asked only for the sake of answering. The key to all of this is that the person must have the right intention, sisters. We should have the intention to get closer to Allah by knowing and understanding what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. We must have the intention to properly follow the straight path as it's shown in the Quran and Sunnah. If we do that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide us and show us the straight path. Further, we will be from those truly knowledgeable people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described in the Quran as min It is only those who have knowledge among his slaves that fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's move on to the summary of this hadith sisters. If something is prohibited, one must stay away from it completely unless there is a dire necessity. If something is ordered, one must perform it to the best of his ability. It is not possible to completely and excellently perform everything that one is ordered to do. That's the reason why Rasulullah has stated the cases of prohibition and order in different tones. Asking too many questions beyond what is needed and not with the real intent of application is blameworthy. It was one of the reasons that prior people were destroyed. Similarly, Differing with any prophet is completely blameworthy. Instead of accepting and submitting, the people 
of the past showed some form of opposition to what their prophets requested of them. This was the second major cause of their destruction. With that nasiha, I am winding up today's session. Inshallah, I am hoping to meet you all next week. Until then, stay tuned with us. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ya Allah ya wa bidaya smu imani